Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. Support for this episode comes from Kula Cloth, a high-tech pee cloth for women and anyone who wipes when they pee. The Kula Cloth is designed for use outdoors, but since it's hard to buy toilet paper these days, I've been using mine at home, too. And it works really well. I rinse it out in the evening before I go to bed, and it's dry by the next morning. And whenever I do laundry, I toss it in with the rest of my clothes for a deep cleaning. For 10% off your Kula Cloth order, go to kulacloth.com and enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's K-U-L-A cloth.com, promo code out there. And just so you know, out there gets a small percentage of all sales made with that coupon code. So by buying a Kula cloth, you'll be conserving toilet paper and helping this podcast. These days, more than ever, our future seems uncertain. Every day we hear the news, we listen to the numbers of coronavirus cases rising, we're given new guidelines about social distancing strategies to flatten the curve. It's a global pandemic and the tragic stories about people dying alone and shortages of medical supplies are heartbreaking. Lives are on the line and if you can stay home, you should stay home. But what can this isolation teach us about ourselves, our relationships, the communities we've grown to rely on for socialization and support? How does this pandemic put the stressors of what we knew as everyday life into perspective? On this episode, our production intern Ben Montoya shares his quarantine story and talks about the possible silver linings that have come from this life-changing moment. The first time I remember going hiking, I was eight years old. It was my first day at a new summer camp, Children's Adventure Company, otherwise known as CAC. Little did I know that this camp and the experiences I'd have there would change my life forever. I was always a pretty shy kid. Whether it was at school or at other organized activities, It would take me a while to warm up and feel like a part of the community. It was hard for me to be myself around strangers and be outgoing. According to my parents, when I was three, there was a kid who used to pick on me and my only response was to cover my head and say, no thank you, no thank you. I remember always keeping to myself until some charismatic and mischievous classmate took me under their wing, and then I could open up and join in their shenanigans. But none of my school friends had come to summer camp with me, and on the drive up to my first hike, I felt lonely and anxious. It was a long hour and a half drive to the trailhead at Bandelier National Monument. I was sandwiched in a van full of children I didn't know, scared for what the rest of the day would be like, but also feeling a nervous excitement as we drove deeper into the Jemez Mountains. When we finally arrived at the trailhead and began to trek across the dusty path, my nerves were replaced with wonder. Our teachers guided us around smooth rock formations and up stone steps worn from age, 
telling us about the ancient people who had made their homes on the cliffsides around us. I absorbed a different kind of curiosity, looking at the cliff dwellings and breathing the dry wind rustling through the mountains. My anxiety was replaced with fascination, and my shyness eroded. As we paused for water breaks and sat down for a much-needed lunch, I began to socialize with my fellow campers. I found myself laughing and joking with kids from other schools and making friends. Before we got to the end of the hike, I reached the last dregs of my water, and a teacher offered me a drink from hers, waterfall style. By the time we had gotten back to the vans, I no longer felt out of place or anxious. We all passed out on the drive, and when I got picked up by my dad, I couldn't wait to come back the next day. Being a camper for many years, I learned to trust nature as a place of community and comfort, somewhere to go when the world felt alienating. At summer camp, I felt a sense of belonging and love that held together a tight-knit community. When I got too old for summer camp, the drive up to the mountains near Santa Fe became a prescription for resetting my mind, and thanks to CAC, I knew all the best trails. My friends and I, some of whom I had gone to camp with, hiked these same haunts. We brought our cameras and instruments to shoot music videos or share sips from a stolen beer with teenage giddiness. Those mountains and the nature all throughout northern New Mexico became a part of me in a sort of existential way. I can't imagine who I would be if I hadn't been taught to love hiking. And I can't imagine who I would be without the love and support of the community I discovered at camp. So when I was looking for jobs the summer after my first year of college in 2015, I thought I'd hit up CAC. And it turned out that the same person who owned and operated the camp when I was a kid was still the director. She recognized me when we met for an interview, and she hired me on the spot as an assistant teacher. My first day of work, I remember thinking that everything felt the same from when I was a kid. The same swing set, and the same stretch of dirt reserved for sprout ball, the same long uphill driveway, with the same drawings of flowers and snails on the same stucco walls. It felt like that scene in A Christmas Carol, you know? Where the ghost of Christmas past shows Scrooge his old school. It felt like just the other day I had been there, chatting with my favorite teachers and playing with my friends. I almost expected to see my old friends running around in the mass of children, or even myself. But I wasn't a camper anymore, and I learned different things about being part of that world. I had responsibilities, and I couldn't just relive my childhood memories. It was my turn to support the shy eight-year-olds new to camp and foster their integration into the community. Now I was the one leading the kiddos on hikes through the mountains, armed with first aid kits and extra water bottles, pointing out beautiful views and getting the new kids to open up and make friends. I loved it. I loved the kids, I loved my coworkers, and I loved feeling like part of something bigger than myself. Not only was it a nostalgic trip down memory lane, but I could feel myself grow and experience this new role that was equal parts trail guide, educator, and mentor. When the summer ended, I was as sad as many of my campers to say goodbye, and I promised them I'd be back the next summer to see them. <laughs>
That was five years ago, and I've worked at CAC as a teacher for every summer since. Through all my undergrad at the University of New Mexico, I always had summer camp to look forward to. Even when I left for grad school in New York, I came back home in the summer for camp. Children's Adventure Company was like a second family to me. I always felt like I could come back. Until this summer. Hey, it's Willow. We'll hear the rest of Ben's story in a moment. But first, I think our immune systems could all use a little boost these days. So I wanted to let you know about something that can help with exactly that. One of our sponsors for this episode is Kusa Tea. They make premium instant tea, and among other things, they have an herbal blend called Immune Boost. It's made with mint, honeysuckle, and other herbs that are designed to support your body before, during, and after an illness. And as for taste, well, I gave some to my friend Ruth to try. She's a bit of a tea aficionado. I like mint tea and I like honeysuckle tea, but I've certainly never had the two combined. So I thought that was a really unique combination that I've never seen before. Yeah, and I found it a nice bedtime tea because I think both of those are kind of soothing. Immune Boost is just one of many teas that Kusa makes. For 30% off your entire order at kusatea.com, enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's C-U-S-A. TEA.com, promo code out there. And now, back to Ben's story. Three months ago, I got this email from my boss, Sarah. Dear teachers, I can't believe it, but we are getting ready for our 2020 summer camp year. I will start hiring teachers in the beginning of March, and I need to know who will be returning this coming summer. We had such an amazing group last year, and I hope to see you all again this summer. I look forward to seeing all of you so much love. I had received similar emails for the past five years, but when I read this one, my stomach dropped. What was I going to tell her? By this time, I was living by myself in an apartment in Brooklyn wrapping up my grad degree from NYU, and grappling with what I should do after I graduated. My two viable options were to either stay in New York over the summer and find a podcasting gig, or go back home to Santa Fe and be a camp counselor. Again. I knew what I wanted to do. New York had been hard. I was lonely and depressed there, and I craved the familiar comforts of home. I missed being able to drive over to my friend's apartment to watch movies. I missed getting breakfast burritos with my family. And I missed going up into the mountains and hiking. I missed going to the grocery store and running into one of my kids from summer camp or seeing a coworker around town. In New York, I was disconnected from my family, friends, and the camp community. I again reverted to the shyness and social anxiety that had made it really hard for me to make friends when I was a kid. Most days, I found it hard to leave my apartment, mentally paralyzed and numb to my own isolation. I had no social outlet outside of meetings with professors and the occasional department event. 
I spent long, lonely days working on my thesis, experimenting with different audio projects, and applying for jobs that never called me back. And yet I told myself this isolation was necessary. Everyone has to suffer a little in order to build up their career, right? I felt like if I returned to New Mexico after I graduated, that I would be giving up and sacrificing possible career opportunities. Maybe this fear and loneliness was just part of growing up. Maybe this was a bitter pill I needed to swallow to have a life outside my hometown. They don't call it the land of entrapment for nothing. It can be hard to break out of Santa Fe's stagnant culture. On top of that, I also worried that I might be relying on summer camp too much. Was CAC a crutch for my childhood? Maybe I should be putting myself outside my comfort zone, venture out into the big city, and start to develop new ways to form community. Before this whole coronavirus pandemic, I had dreaded making this decision because it felt like it would determine my whole future. But it goes without saying that things have changed drastically in the three months since Sarah sent that email, and I've since learned that forces outside of our control often have more impact on our future than anything we can choose for ourselves. On March 11th, I escaped my apartment, going to California for spring break to visit my sister in Orange County and my girlfriend in San Diego. This was also the day the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. After a couple days staying in San Diego, my girlfriend and I started showing symptoms, dry coughing, high temperatures, and body aches. In order to prevent the possible spread of coronavirus to other people in the house, the two of us were quarantined in the basement. We stopped showing symptoms after a couple days and were 99% sure we just had the flu. All the same, abiding by the CDC guidelines, we continued to isolate ourselves in the basement for a week. The more time I spent unable to leave the basement, the more I thought, I've done this before. Except now my isolation wasn't a self-imposed barrier in my mind, but a medically imposed quarantine caused by a global pandemic. The week I spent down there was a dark time, but I started to think about the stressors that had governed my semester pre-corona and started to get a different perspective. Before, when I was in New York City, I thought of community and social relationships as a privilege. Now that literally everyone couldn't leave their home, I recognize that community is a necessity. Humans are social creatures, after all. Soon after my basement quarantine experience, my parents wanted me to come home. In fact, they had already bought a plane ticket, without telling me. I had mixed feelings about this. I felt like I needed to go home to Santa Fe eventually. Going back to New York City and quarantining by myself never even occurred to me as an option. But I was afraid of getting on a plane and possibly spreading anything to my parents. And I also selfishly wanted to spend more time with my girlfriend. We had spent the last few months apart, and it felt like as soon as we had escaped the basement, I was leaving her. But each day brought new frightening updates, and I began to realize that if I was going to make it home, I needed to act fast. 
and I realized I did want to make it home. Sometimes it takes a crisis to understand how much it matters to be around our families and communities. I didn't end up using the plane ticket my parents had bought. Still wary of the airports, I convinced my sister in Orange County to come with me, and we drove 13 hours to get back to Santa Fe. It was hard to leave my girlfriend, but going home felt like the right decision. And here I am, back home and quarantined with my family. It's hard to believe that just a couple of months ago, I was agonizing over whether to stay in New York or come home to New Mexico after grad school. What had seemed like such an overwhelming decision now feels like a distant dream, a memory of a parallel universe. It's hard to believe I spent so much energy worrying about career choices. The pandemic has shifted my priorities. Rather than fixating on job prospects and trying to force myself to grow up, I've started grasping onto human connections anywhere I can. I've reached out to friends and family and rekindled childhood friendships that had been neglected in recent years. Instead of working my brain to exhaustion every night, I've been spending my evenings talking on the phone, playing video games over Skype, and spending time with my family. When I was in New York, I felt like I needed to wean myself off my old relationships, move on to a new community, and live out someone else's big city fantasy. But now I know it's those old relationships and support systems that are going to get me through each day. I don't know what I'll be doing next year, or even this summer, but I do know that you shouldn't give up on your childhood tribe just because it seems like the grown-up thing to do. I wish I could go back in time a couple months and tell my past self to never take the bonds of community for granted, to pick up that phone and to get in touch, to not feel ashamed for craving what is familiar. was our production intern, Ben Montoya. In addition to finishing up his master's degree at NYU's Center for Experimental Humanities, Ben is also a musician and independent podcast producer. He co-hosts a comedy podcast called I Choose You and works on a podcast about climate change called the Multispecies World Building Lab. We have links to all of those on our website, outtherepodcast.com, and you can also find his personal projects on SoundCloud if you search Ben C. Montoya. As for the summer camp you heard about in the story, it's unclear whether they'll be able to open their doors to kids this year. But Ben reached out to the camp director, Sarah Baker. She says even if they can't bring kids out into the mountains this year, they'll do their best to keep families connected through online programming. I have my list here. We're going to do some scavenger hunts, story time. Um, I'm going to do a boot camp. 
Um, <laughs> um, and then do like show and tell, which we don't get to do very often, but they'd get to, you know, show off yeah. what they want. Yeah. Well, if you ever need any help on those Zoom sessions, like I'm fairly free and I'm, I'm here now. So <laughs> it's just really good to talk to you too. Yeah, it's nice. It's to been forever. You. I know. I'll... Sorry, I'm gonna That's okay. feed the baby, and then uh, hi, honey. Hi, this is I. Wow. Oh <laughs> god, <laughs> she's a little grumpy. She's so cute. Um, she's so cute. She's cuter after she eats. She'll be. <laughs> she's not cuter. She's just happier. Um, <laughs> Before you go, a couple of announcements. First, a reminder that we're hosting an online storytelling night on May 7th. It's at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time, and the theme is beginners. As I said, it'll all be online, so mark your calendars and get ready to curl up with a beverage and hear stories from your fellow out there fans. Also, If you haven't done so yet, I'd like to invite you to share with us the view from your window. Many of us are spending a lot of time staring out the same windows day after day after day. It can start to feel a little stale. Describing what you see, articulating it, can help breathe new life into an old view. So grab your phone, Go to your window and record a voice memo describing what you see. Feel free to be as creative as you want with this. You can describe the physical scenery, the sights, the sounds, the smells, or you can describe what you're feeling, the thoughts that are running through your mind as you look out the window. If you have kids, maybe hand the phone to them and ask them to talk about what they see. If you have pets, you could describe the scene from your pet's point of view. There are really no rules here other than to have fun with it. When you're done, email me your voice memo along with a photo of the view from your window. We might use your voice memo, or parts of it, on the show, and we might also feature what you send us on our website or social media. My email is willow at outtherepodcast.com. A huge thank you to Boz Wellborn, Stephanie Daniels, Aaron Anderson, Mike Lutters, and Deb and Vince Garcia for their financial contributions to Out There. In times of instability, listener support matters to us more than ever. I know that many of you are facing extremely difficult situations at the moment, and I completely understand if additional expenditures are out of the question. Please know that I am grateful to count you as a listener, regardless of who you are and what your bank account looks like. But if you have a stable income, please consider becoming a patron of Out There. You can make a contribution in any amount, even if it's just a dollar or two a month. Every gift makes a difference and helps us continue to produce stories during these difficult times. Just go to patreon.com slash outtherepodcast to become a patron today. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform for creative endeavors. It lets you make monthly contributions to projects you care about, like this podcast. 
Again, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash outtherepodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash outtherepodcast. And as always, we have a link to that on our website as well. That's it for this episode. Our strategic advisor is Alex Eggerking. Our advertising director is Jessica Taylor. Sheba Joseph is our audience growth director. Ben Montoya is our production intern. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. Be safe, stay home, and do something nice today for someone you care about.